Like every single one of you, we have had to make a lot of changes here at Covenant in 2020, things that in January we were not anticipating. One of the examples is how we prepare for worship. Not just how we worship, but how we prepare for worship. You see, normally we are planned about six to nine months in advance for every single week. We know every series we're going to do. We have scripture passages for every single week assigned. We have a paragraph with a description of the themes for that week. And the reason that we do this is that, among other things, it allows for creativity. It's hard to be creative in worship if you're just going week to week and thinking about what do we do now. But if you know six, nine months in advance, here's the themes, here's the scripture, here's where we're going, that it allows the music and the liturgy to be shaped and formed and dreamed about in creative ways. Of course, we're not able to do that anymore. It's impossible to plan nine months ahead at this point. There's so many factors beyond our control. It's impossible to really plan nine weeks ahead most of the time. But that's not the case for this series. As we, several months ago, looked at the uncertainties of 2020, we knew that this was going to be a difficult stretch of time for many of us, both personally and for our nation. We know that the pandemic has been going for months. We are dealing with the isolation. We are dealing with being tired of looking at screens. We are dealing with our lives being interrupted. We are dealing with the holidays coming up that are going to look different for many of us than what we would like or what we had planned or what we had dreamed of or what our traditions say. We're dealing with uh, tragedies. We are dealing with sickness. We are dealing with all kinds of uncertainty financially. And we knew that this election was going to be a deeply divided time. This past week, if any of us wondered how the divisions in 2016 that were exposed calmed down at all or been healed or come back together, we have all gotten a rude awakening about how real they still are. Bigger than any one candidate, bigger than any one party, bigger than any one issue, bigger than any one election. There are probably a lot of us this week who can relate to what it would feel like to be the disciples in that boat. To say that the boat is getting swamped. We might have different places we're sitting in and we might have different reasons that we see, but it does feel like the water is just kind of coming in over the edges. You might have felt at times this week, you might be feeling right now, a lot like what the disciples feel in this passage, fear, worry, anxiety, and this, this sense that they have when they wake Jesus up and accuse him of like, do you care right now? I mean, I just love the honesty and the crisis that comes out of them. It's like, teacher, do you care that we're about to perish? Do you care? God, where are you in the middle of this? How can you be letting this happen? How does this work? How can a loving God allow us to get to this point? The storm raging around us, feeling as though the boat is going to capsize. We knew and anticipated so much to be able to say that in the midst of these times, we need to be unified by the first confession of the church. The first confession of the church that for thousands of years has unified Christians of every culture and every background and every ethnicity and every language. The basic proclamation that the first church unified around the statement, Jesus is Lord. He is the Lord of our lives. He guides our steps. Our allegiance is always ultimately to follow him. And that as he is Lord, we also proclaim the hope that is never, ever diminished, never vanquished in this world, 
because his everlasting arms are wrapped around us all and will not let us go. I believe that in this passage today, we will realize that the proclamation that Jesus is Lord in the middle of the storms of life are promises about both the presence of God and the power of God. The presence of God and the power of God. And to be guided in this, we're going to let one of the great artistic works in history guide us. On your screen right now is a painting by the great Dutch painter Rembrandt. It's one of his earlier works painted in 1633, and it is a depiction of the events that Lynn read from us in Mark chapter 4 today. It's entitled, Jesus in the Storm on the Sea of Galilee. Rembrandt paints in great vivid colors and the energy as this boat is being tossed about, as you can see the waves crashing over the side, as it looks like at this very moment it could capsize, is captured in wonderful ways here. As we look more close up, we see that Rembrandt in his uh, iconic style has all 13 individuals there, Jesus and all 12 disciples. And all 12 disciples are depicted in certain very specific individual ways, each of them responding differently. You can see here Rembrandt showing us that uh, some of the disciples we know were fishermen, so they would have been familiar with boats. They would have been familiar with storms. And even though this one is larger and, and, and scarier than any others, they're responding with their training. Some of them are in the front, uh, working on the mast and holding onto the ropes and, and trying to manage the boat through the storm. You look at the back, one of them is on the rudder, straining mightily, trying to not let the boat lose control. You see that some others, Rembrandt knew, were not fishermen. Maybe Matthew, the tax collector, is the one in the red shirt hanging over the side of the boat, seasick. And then there are a few who've gathered around Jesus, seems to be, if you look here, at the very moment when they're waking him up, you can almost see in their faces there the accusation and the question, teacher, do you care? Do you care that we're about to perish? There's a lot of different individuals responding in different ways here. And there's a question that you can see here in the painting that Rembrandt is posing to us. And the question is, how will you respond? to the storms of life. Which of these paths that we see in the 12 disciples? You see that in the figure. If you look very closely at the front of the boat, closest to us, there's one disciple in a blue shirt, and he's the only one looking out at us, the viewer. Scholars believe that this is actually a self-portrait of Rembrandt. But he's looking at us to pose the question, how will you respond in the midst of the storm? What we believe as Christians is that this is a proclamation, Jesus is Lord, that reminds us of the presence of God, first and foremost. The miracle that as we see in this passage, that we have to choose to remember God is always present with us. God is with us in the midst of the storms. We see that throughout the passage, God is with the disciples when they get in the boat and he doesn't leave them. God is with the disciples in the storm. God is with the disciples when they wake him up and question him. God is with the disciples when he calms the storm. And God is with the disciples in the calm afterwards to teach and shape and mold them. The first thing we understand when we say that Jesus is Lord in the midst of the storm is we affirm as Rembrandt shows us here that the presence of God never leaves. And that allows for Christians to ask a different set of questions in the storm than other people. 
The natural human response when this is happening, when storms are raging around us, is why? Why is this happening? And that's not a bad question at all, but for people of faith, the proclamation Jesus is Lord also allows us to ask a question that starts with where? Where are you in this, God? Where are you in this times? We believe that you're here. We know that you are in this world. We know that your presence is real. So where are you? Help us to see you. Help us to see you in the midst of the water and the foam and the wind and the fear that can envelop us. Help us to see you. Help us to draw close to you. Help us to to stand beside you. Help us to listen for your teaching and your example. Where are you and how do we get close to you in these times? This is what we've been trying to do as a congregation in this series. We announced and we held prayer vigils both the Saturday before and then the Saturday after the election. All of you were invited. So many of you participated and we need to keep praying in this time. But it's a way of saying that it can get overwhelming uh, in the news and the pundits and the results and the elections and the statements from people. And while all of that is important, as disciples, we have to collectively ask ourselves, where is God right now? How do we get close to him? How do we follow him in these times? This is what we're going to be doing over the next two Wednesday nights at our continued Vesper services at 6 o'clock. Times to gather on this campus, to worship, to pray in these times. Deliberate act to declare the presence of God that will never leave us. And it allows us to say that the storms will also be what shape and form us. It's where we're refined. It's where we're pruned in the words of the Bible. The storms of our lives can shape and mold us as people. And this time will do this for us in one way or the other. But while we affirm the presence of God when we say Jesus is Lord in the midst of the storm, what we also see as we go back to the Rembrandt painting is the power of God. You see, as we said, Rembrandt is known in his style for the details, and each of the 13 figures in the boat is doing something different. Not one of them is a carbon copy. Not one of them is exactly the same. And that includes Jesus. Look at Jesus here. There's a light in the midst of the storm that is different in him than in the others. There's a calm. There's a power in Jesus calm and a power that as you see him is the one who will calm the wind and the waves and the disciples that we see gathered around him right now at the end of this passage will be saying who is this man that even the wind and the waves listen to him friends we affirm that Jesus is Lord and that means that he is with us but when we are in his presence and remind ourselves of that we also are reminded that while he is among us he is not as we are He has a power beyond which anything we can conceive. And therefore, the wind and the waves can shape us and form us. The storms can shape us and form us because we declare in these moments that it will not be the end of us. Because the power of God. That as we have proclaimed for thousands of years, the cross is still a sign of hope. That the tomb is still empty. That we are still people of the resurrection. That nowhere in this time is there a question that's being asked, is love stronger than hate? That is clear. That is true. That is the gospel. Nowhere was there anything on the ballot to say, can life emerge from death? It does. It has. It shall. It will. And that we declare in the power of God that justice will roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. None of that 
is in question. These are difficult times, but they will not be the end of times. But we trust that as we read in the scriptures that in this season of difficulty, God is making all things new. We declare that Jesus is Lord, that he is with us, and that he will calm and lead us through this storm yet again. So this week we invite you to pay attention to that. We're going to invite you to do that as a congregation, just as we did through the communal prayer times, the prayer vigils. This week, we are going to invite every single person in the covenant community to do something that is quite countercultural when you first wake up in the morning. Do you know that studies show that the vast majority of us, the first thing we do in the morning is we check our phones, which are now blowing up with news, blowing up with updates, blowing up with social media, blowing up with outrage, blowing up with fear, blowing up with speculation. What we're going to invite everyone to do this day is to practice the fact that Jesus is Lord and this week to practice that Jesus is Lord by waking up and by reading for a minimum of five minutes at least one chapter of one of the Gospels every single morning before you turn anything on, before you look at the news, before you see current events, before you see what your favorite blogger is saying, before you see what's going on. To start our day by declaring Jesus is Lord, by focusing ourselves on the presence of God and focusing ourselves on the power of God. Because friends, make no mistake about it. In this time, as in all times, he is with us. He will not let us go. And is making all things new. Amen. Amen.